Oh, you're terrible. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm ready now. Aren't you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to hear from the Lord. You know, it's funny, you go to churches and they all have different ways of worshiping, different uh, methods, different songs that are important to them. So I'm thinking at our church, we're just going to go to the IFE system, uh, which if you've ever flown long flights, that's the in-flight entertainment system. We're just going to put the whole thing on people's chairs, you know, in front of them. If they don't like the song we're singing, they can just dial up, joyful, joyful, we adore thee by Ron Brendel. If they don't like the sermon, they can dial up a Matt Brooks sermon from Grace United Methodist because this one's boring and he's always amazing. So that's what sometimes though we think church should be. Uh, It should be all about me. And uh, first of all, I'm just going to tell you, that's all about me right there. That, That I love celebrating and giving honor and glory to God and expressing joy in worship, whatever the song is. And I hope that's your prayer too. It's Sunday. Did you know that? It's Sunday. And when we come together on Sunday, we come together to celebrate the resurrection. I tell them at Southland all the time, every Sunday is Easter Sunday at Southland. Uh, Because that's why we worship on Sunday now, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so today, that's what I want to do with the message as well. If you have a Bible or the Bible on a device, I'd like you to go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. While you're going there, there was a book that someone uh, showed me, and the title was, I Could Do Anything If I Only Knew What It Was, How to Discover What You Really Want and How to Get It. Now, first of all, just from that title, you pro- it's probably a really big book and wouldn't fit on my, my shelf. It, it was published in 1994, written by an author, Barbara Sher, and after it, w- it was written after her book titled Wishcraft, Wishcraft, How to Get What You Really Want. Now, see, what was happening is after Wishcraft, How to Get What You Really Want, she started getting a whole bunch of letters from her readers saying, you know, it was a great book, but I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what I want. Now, ultimately, people want a life that they love. People want to be, what's the word? Happy. That's really what everyone in the human experience is going for, right? We want to be happy. Well, the beauty of Jesus' resurrection is that you have someone to guide you toward discovering what it is you were made to want, what it is God designed for you to want in life. You can trust it was, it's the life you were designed to live if you get the resurrection of Jesus at all. Now, this is an in Cher's book. She has different ideas than Jesus has about what it means to find what you want in life. But with all due respect to Barbara, she didn't rise from the dead, and Jesus did, so there's that. And I believe in Jesus' resurrection, but then I have to ask myself, now what? So what? What does that have to do with me and my life? What's next? What should I want because Jesus has risen from the dead? And that's where Colossians 3 helps us. Now, Paul's letter to his friends in Colossae was to correct 
the false teaching that they had encountered at that time. I mean, they didn't have the New Testament. People were coming into town and teaching lots of things. And some of those things were that the deity and supremacy of Christ wasn't what they had thought it was. Or some were told that it didn't matter how you lived because what the physical world, the matter of this world, wasn't important to God and in some cases was even evil. So you could do whatever you wanted to with your body. That wasn't the important part of you. Those were the things that he was trying to undo. They were being told that angels were to be worshipped. And he corrected that in the letter. And after dealing with all these specifics, he gets to the application of these truths, how we should actually live. What's that have to do with me? And so with that, I'd like to pick up the reading of his letter in chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, if you're a Christ follower, and your question is, what should I want out of life, this scripture will hopefully help you. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. All who've embraced his death and resurrection in their life through faith, confessed their sins and received his grace and forgiveness have been raised with him. And he's about to tell you what's next, what to do with this faith in his resurrection. Now, what you should do with your resurrected life comes in very specific statements. And here's the first one. Set your heart on a higher level. Set your heart, your spirit, your will, your desires on a higher level. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, what in the world does that mean, set your heart upon? Well, if you look at the original language, you actually see that it's a continuous action. Keep seeking. Keep seeking, he's saying. Chase after. Passionately pursue higher things in your heart and life. Now, if many people were honest, they would tell you that they just let life simply happen to them. I mean, you might have a schedule that you wake up to and you got some tasks that you're to perform, but it, you know, it's all just kind of reacting to whatever's going on around me, whatever is the latest thing. There's no real pursuit of a dream or a goal, no foundational principle or activity, just work, eat, survive, sleep, be nice to people, be responsible, and get up and do it all again and again and again and again and again the next day. And it's interesting, maybe they were never taught to consider what might be their deepest desires. What might be your deepest desires. But now, since, he says, I put that all in caps, S-I-N-C-E, since the resurrected life gives you something to live for that's higher than mere survival. 
It's much more than just making sure you get three good meals today and you have a comfortable place to lay your head at night. Since Jesus is alive and seated at the right hand of God, you have a lot to set your heart upon. You have a lot of new passions to discover to drive your life. Set your heart on things above. Now that becomes the real issue right there because we are consumed with the stuff of this earth and the experiences of this earth. So what are those things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God the Father? He's talking about your greatest passions being built upon your belief in a resurrection, your belief that your life isn't just about the years that you live on earth and then you become food for worms. It's more than that. How will I worship Christ, honor Christ, and pursue Christ with every breath that I'm given on this earth? It's a basic question. What's my motivation? When I get up in the morning, what is motivating that to-do list? What is motivating that activity? What is motivating my priorities for this life that I live? It's the basic question. But perhaps the question is better asked, who is my motivation? Who is it that I'm ultimately living for? Who am I getting up for? Who am I seeking in my life? Now, it's truly a liberating experience because now I've been resurrected from the dead and given the promised hope of eternal life. Not just this life, but a life forever. And I've got Jesus to thank and God to glorify. Now, the one who created me and died for me and resurrected me wants me to know him, connect with him, and be blessed by him. But you know what our problem is? Here it is, distractions. Distractions. We have all of these things going on around us in our experience. A lot of them are even good things that pull our attention away from our real motivation, this resurrected life with Jesus Christ. But because you're now resurrected, you have an entirely new set of priorities and goals and missions that you want to accomplish. John's first letter actually says it this way in chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Maybe like for the Father, maybe even some semblance of gratitude to the Father. But if you are in love with the world, he says, you don't have a deep love for the Father. Uh, just last month, uh, one of my high school basketball coaches passed away, and it caused me to reflect a little bit on that limited high school basketball career. And I was thinking about the way he would get us ready in preseason conditioning. And he would ask this simple question before we ever started the first drill. Do you want to be a great basketball player? Now, it was a very important question. 
He said, because if you don't want to be a great basketball player, what you're about to enter into is going to seem really stupid to you. Because there's going to be a great deal of discipline required. There's going to be a lot of suffering taking place. And when you are tired and hurting, you're going to be asking yourself, why am I doing this? And so until you answer the question, do you want to be a great basketball player with the answer, yes, you will never understand or appreciate all that you're going through in preparing for this season. And the truth is, a couple guys, after hearing that question, decided not to play because they knew the answer was, I have no interest in going through pain and suffering and discipline because I don't care whether or not I'm a great basketball player. And I guess that's what Paul is saying. To fully experience the resurrected life, you have to decide what you're truly setting your heart upon. Because men and women, just because something is simple to understand doesn't make it easy. Now, I want to say that again because you need to get that. Just because something is simple to understand doesn't make it easy. And when you recognize that, yes, God has done this miraculous thing in raising Jesus from the dead, and you have been even convinced in your mind and heart that it's true and real, it doesn't mean that you've fully set your heart upon chasing after or passionately pursuing him. So then, okay, I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to embrace chasing hard after the resurrected Christ. How do I do this? How do I keep seeking things that are above? Well, here's what he said in the second verse. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And see, this is where you actually have control in the moment. What is it that you're going to choose to think about on a daily basis? What do you spend your time focusing your attention upon? These two imperatives, set your heart or keep seeking and set your mind, actually in the original language, simply mean to completely focus upon. Is that my focus or do the distractions seem to get most of my attention? If your heart's desire is Christ the Lord, then you take proactive steps to accomplish that. Because what do we like to do? We like the drive-through, don't we? We do. We love going up there and saying, you know, I just want a happy meal. Now, now we'd like that then, that same convenience in our walk with God. So we want to go up to the drive-thru and say, I'll take a couple really good worship songs, throw in a prayer, and, and I'd, I'd also maybe like a sermon in that. Oh, oh, what size sermon do you want? Oh, definitely small. No, actually, can I change that? I'm sorry, I feel badly. I'd like the kid's size sermon, please. And, and, and then, we, but that's sometimes what we want our camp meeting experience to be. I want to be able to hear a half-decent sermon. I want to be able to pray some prayer of commitment. And then I expect God to do all the work at that moment. 
I expect God then to just time, somehow magically, magic wand, transform me into some kind of monk or super spiritual person. And here's what Paul's saying to them. No, no, that's not what you don't understand. When you come to that place of surrendering your life to God and embracing the resurrected life, you're just beginning a whole new way of looking at the world. But it's still your decision, your opportunity to set your mind on the things that you think are most important in this resurrected walk. So Paul draws the contrast between seeking things above and seeking earthly things. When your heart is set upon Christ, you discover you have so much more to know about him every single day. You also discover there's so much that wants to draw you away from him that you've now entered into, in fact, a spiritual battle for your passions, for your focus, for your priorities. And when my heart has experienced a true change, my mind's habits can still be cluttered with my usual thoughts and activities. And later in the chapter, Paul outlines that you put to death, and he gives them this long list of things that because you're seeking Christ in the resurrected life should not be in your life. And you can go through that list yourself if you read ahead. But he's saying none of these things were ever designed for you. And yet the fact is, if you read through the list and you're honest about their definitions, you'll have to admit that perhaps some of those you've allowed to creep into your daily priorities. He also explained this to his friends in Rome. If you were to read the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 5, here's what he says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set upon what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Now, men and women on this Easter Sunday, where we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ because every Sunday is Easter, which one is it? Which one are you setting your heart and mind upon? Now, it's not difficult to understand because we've all experienced it, this battle inside for our attention and our affections. He shows us we have to replace earthly things with heavenly things, earthly information with heavenly information. Some years ago, when I lived in Lancaster, I had a prayer partner, his name is Bill, he was a sniper back in Vietnam, and he told me a little bit about the training that he went through uh, to be a sniper. And he said, Steve, it's interesting, the very first week that we were uh, at, at sniper training, they had us lay on the ground with these fake guns and scopes. And we, all we did was look through the scope and stare at the target for hours. No bullets, not even a real gun. We just stared through the scope at the target for days, making sure we understood what it meant to be fully focused on that which we were aiming at. Fully focused. 
This is what it means to seek those things which are above, to set our minds upon things above. Because, you know, a little Bible reading in the morning is a great thing. Keep doing that. But if that's all it is, is just going through what you believe to be some kind of habit or ritual or discipline of the Christian life, then you've totally missed the point. The idea is that I'm beginning my day looking through the the, the eyeglass into the target and I'm seeing how is it that God wants me to live my life today? What is it that God's trying to teach me about my life that will transform the way I approach my activity today? You see, he's telling us our minds can be transformed in three ways. And first, it's simply this. What we're doing with you here at Psyker all week long is this word. Intentionally reading it, studying it, but then beyond that, saying, now, what in the world does that have to do with me? What in the world does that have to do with what I'm about to do today? I just got to pause here and tell you, after the 9.30 session this morning, if you don't come to that, you're missing the best thing of the week. I mean, that today, this morning, what John had to share with us was fantastic. Not that replacement Matt wasn't beyond amazing the last two weeks, or two days. But John just began today amazing series that really challenged me already, and I encourage you to just rework your schedule if 9.30 wasn't going to be part of it and get here to hear him unpack this word. But second, it's worship. And, And a lot of us have relegated worship to our church services. And then, unfortunately, a lot of us have not only relegated our own worship to church services, but we then spend our time deciding whether or not we liked those church services. Somehow the Lord gets lost in all of it while we decide we have been put together as the AGT judge of our worship experiences. And and I'm trying to get you to understand that worship is a 24-7 experience in your life. It's a time to set aside, first of all, in your prayer closet or in your prayer room, alone with God and proclaim his glory, honor him, sing the songs. I mean, it's honestly the best place to sing the songs if you can't sing. You know, if you just sing one note, eventually you'll get the right one. It's a time where you say to yourself, I recognize who you are and who I am, and that's going to impact the decisions that I make. But then he also says the other great influence as you're seeking him with your mind is the Holy Spirit. Listening to his leading, his voice in meditation, in surroundings, in other Christ followers. Men and women, the resurrected mind wants a resurrected message to be the primary influencer of their thoughts and their practices. Because this is now lost on us. Intense pressure is out there on every one of us to capitulate to culture's message. The pressure is incredible. And unless we pick up this word and ask the Spirit of God to tell us what is true so that we can live our life in truth, we will eventually become just a product of our culture's values, beliefs, and ideas 
and ultimately live our life to please the culture instead of worshiping and honoring the resurrected Christ. I promise you it can happen because you know it has happened from time to time in you. You see, this impacts every area of your life. When you set your mind on the resurrected Christ, seek things which are above, it makes you a better father or mother. It makes you a better friend. It makes you a better employer or an employee. It makes you a better citizen. It makes you a better neighbor. I mean, how would it be if all of us would think of ourselves like world-class athletes think of themselves, who devote themselves entirely to that one mission to win a world-class event? What if all of us prepared every day to live the resurrected life as if we wanted to do it world-class? What if we really devoted ourselves to that kind of attention so that when we do go out into the world, People have no doubt in their mind who it is that we're living for and what it is that we believe about him. When you discover a heart and mind that is set upon, seriously seeking what is above and not on what this world offers, you then have the final imperative to accomplish. Here it is again, verse 3, Colossians 3. For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your heart on higher things. Set your mind on higher things. And set your purpose on a higher level. You know, my deepest desire is to seek and find all the truth I can about Jesus in this life. So I intentionally remove all distractions and the sin that wants to keep me from living this resurrected life. And I focus my mind on the things of God in my family and in my job and in my relationships and even my solitude and Now, when I wake up in the morning and prepare my body for the day, I also take intentional time to prepare my spirit and my mind for the day because now I recognize I have a resurrected purpose. Just like the list of things Paul gives to put to death, he also provides later in the chapter a list of things to clothe yourself with. Or put on. He's got like this column on the left. And here's the things you should be putting on in your life. And you'll enjoy this life forever. This is the resurrected life. Over here on the right side is this is the stuff that needs to go. This is the stuff to put to death. that has no business in your experience. And it will distract and impede your resurrected life. Well, the question is, do you have a to-do list? Goals? and priorities, and what motivates that list? What do you set your heart upon daily to accomplish? What equips you to do that list well, to do that list for the glory of God, the list that you are now setting your mind upon? You know, I get it. I'm I'm talking about more than just an oil change and the laundry. 
but I'm talking about the things that you want to have experienced and the things that you want to accomplish as an act of worship for God. Although a good oil change and clean laundry is certainly an act of worship as well. But that to-do list is your strategy to live today for someone. And it's to live today as someone who has experienced the resurrection of Jesus in your own life. And it says to the world, Jesus Christ is my heart's desire. And I want to know him above all things. And I want my daily life to show that he is my Lord. And and Paul concludes this portion of the letter in verse 17. And honestly, it's a great verse to memorize in your life. Many people have told me that they have made Colossians 3.17 their life verse, their foundational verse. And it's that, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving glory to God the Father through him. And and is what I'm doing right now, is what I'm focused upon right now, something that I'm giving as an offering to God? More than even the wonderful worship songs that I sang at Camp Syker, is this thing that I've decided is so important that it's part of my day, something I'm doing in such a way that God will receive glory from my activity? It was interesting, I I was talking about this passage many years ago on a youth retreat, and I handed out pieces of paper and pencils to all of the students, and I said, I want you to draw a line straight down the middle, vertical line right in the middle, and they did that, and I said, on the left side, I want you to list the things that you want in your life, that you want your mind and your heart to look like. I want you to write down personal character traits. I want you to write down priorities, goals, things that I want to be known for. Put all of that on the left side. And then on the right side, I want you to put things that I know I need to give up if I want to accomplish the left side. Things that I know are in my life that need to go from my life. Sins, distractions, Maybe even some relationships that aren't serving me well. Dreams or goals that have nothing to do with what God wants for me. Put all of those on the right side. And think right now, what is it that I'm going to do with both of these lists? Now, I'd like you to even, in your minds, I do that yourself. Imagine yourself with the left column putting there, what are the things that are the resurrected life that are so important to me? What are the things that belong on the left side of my list that I know God wants for me? But what are things I need to put on the right side, if I'm being honest, have become huge distractions? And you know what? Sometimes it's even good things. Yeah, I want to talk just a second here to young parents. Listen, I really, really, really want your kid to be able to hit a curveball. I really hope that they can and that they'll do that well. But when you're out making sure that they can hit a curveball and not making sure that they know the Lord Jesus and his word, 
then you've given up something on the left side of your paper and, and embrace something on the right side of your paper. Now look, I get it. I mean, there's so much pressure now for all of you sports and youth music and band and dance and everything that goes into our lives now as parents of young children. I get all of that. And I get that demands are put upon us so that they've taken over those key moments, particularly Sunday mornings. And, and now we have this battle within us that we have to fight. Am I going to take my kid to soccer practice or am I going to take my kid to Sunday school? And I get it. Those are real battles that go on. All I'm saying is this. I'm pretty sure that hitting a curveball is not going to get your child into heaven. I think that you need to recognize that somebody has to stand up in our communities and say, look, some things are more important. And you know, you might have this talented child that's going to make it to some major league in whatever it is that they enjoy doing. But the fact is, what they need more than anything is to know first, you think the resurrected life is the most important life out there, and second, that it should be the most important life in their hearts and minds as well. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to unpack for you specifically or strategically how you do that. The point is that you make it your number one priority in raising your children, teaching them about the word of God and their need for him to be their savior, their Lord, and their number one priority. That's what we should teach them. But we're not going to teach it to our children if we haven't done it ourselves. And so this is both encouragement. I mean, come on, you're resurrected from the dead. If you believe in Jesus, I think that's pretty encouraging all by itself. I could have stopped in the first five minutes, right? Some of you are wishing that I did. But also we come to be challenged, to have God expose those areas of our life that he wants us to know have become idols and that we're beginning to worship things that have nothing to do with the resurrected experience. Now look, I get it. We live in the real world. But we have this wonderful opportunity to do all things, he says, in the name of Jesus, to the glory of God the Father. And so ask yourself, what is it about my life that says to the world, I've been resurrected from the dead through him? And I want you to know, he'll show you. He'll show you things to make more important, and he'll show you things to make less important, and he'll show you things to completely erase from the page so that your resurrected life will be a testimony to everyone in your sphere of influence. And perhaps they'll even approach you and say, I don't know what it is about you, but you seem to have something figured out. And you seem to deal with both the good and the bad in your life with some sense of confidence and strength. And I'd like to know all about that. That, men and women, is when your resurrection becomes contagious to all the people around you. If then you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking things above 
set your heart and your mind and your purpose on a much higher level. Will you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for us. You have died for our sins, forgiven us for them, and now you have raised us from the dead with your resurrection. And so today in this space on Sunday morning, we celebrate that. Thank you for that beautiful gift. But then, Lord, we want to know how our lives moving forward would honor you and glorify you. So show us right now. Show us the things that we should be making our top priorities. And show us the things that we need to put to death. And I pray that you'll do it specifically in this moment so that all of us can give ourselves for your glory. Will you pray your own prayer? Respond to what you've heard this morning. Even start thinking about that list. What is it that God wants to do in me in my resurrected life? And what is it I need to get rid of and surrender those lists to him? You pray. Oh, this is the beauty of worship, Lord. You're present here, and your spirit awakens us first to your glory and your love, and then to our need of you. So I ask that you would hear the honest prayers that have been prayed to you, the passionate prayers that have prayed to you, been prayed to you, and I ask that you would begin to do a work in us. Help us to put on the things of God. Help us to put to death the things that don't belong in our resurrected life. And we pray you'll do this so Jesus will be lifted up and everyone will be drawn to him. In his name we pray. Come on, let's stand and let's worship together with Ron. If you'd like to bring your list figuratively or even if you wrote it down to this altar and say, here it is, Lord. This is what I want to give to you. Feel free to do that. This space and this time is for you. Let's worship him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, say. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. something about that name.
so what I often do with our congregation at home when, when I have a challenge that's really for everyone is say, hey, when you go home to lunch today, you need to talk about this, you know, in your family. Kick this around a little bit in between uh, your hamburger and your french fries. And, and take advantage of this day. And what I would encourage all of you, since you've come to a place to kind of focus in on your walk with God, is maybe go to your cottage, uh, because I think there's 30 minutes till lunch anyway, and maybe find something to write on, or wait a minute, Steve, or get your iPad out, and, 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 and start thinking through that. What should be on the left side of my resurrected life? And what are the things that I need to put to death that are competing affections for my passion for Jesus. Lord, take us from this place, not having just heard something, but I pray that you would help us experience something from your word and your spirit and show us how our lives can be more dialed in to the resurrection. Help us to seek you and those things above so that you will be honored in every minute of every day in the beautiful saving name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.